Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And today on Books That Burn, we are interviewing someone. Can you please introduce yourself? Uh, hi, my name is JP Jackson. Um, he, him. I am a dark paranormal urban fantasy storyteller. And uh, that's kind of the world I like to enshroud myself in and uh, descend into the depths and tell stories of things that go bump in the night. Perfect. That definitely describes the two books we read from you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, to start this off, can you talk a little about the way trauma works in your writing? Yeah. Um, how do I how do I phrase that? Cuz I I I knew you were going to ask me something along that this lines. <laughs> I I don't think I write typical hero mushy feel good. I like my anti-heroes. And anti-heroes are flawed people. And I think we're all flawed individuals. We all have really good things about ourselves, but we also have um past experiences and uh just life situations that have been difficult. We all have those. And so by writing characters that are formed from some of those traumatic incidences, I think we get a uh, a more interesting character. How's that? Okay. Does that work? Yeah. yeah that makes Absolutely. sense. Um, so speaking of, <laughs> of trauma, uh, do you, in general, when you're writing characters, do you put more thought into the trauma itself or into the aftermath or aftercare when you're thinking about the effects on your characters? Ooh. Which one do you kind of spend more time on? Uh, I spend a lot of time not in front of the computer thinking about my characters. So, you know, the shower is a fantastic place. I stand in there for hours and think about the the whole world of my book books. Um, much to my husband's chagrin, he's like, "Are you almost done in there?" "Yep, no, not really." <laughs> <laughs> like, no, hold on, I have five more plot points. Exactly, tomorrow, exactly. Wait a minute, I'm not. You're like, hang on, I'm exactly. Writing. This hasn't formed yet. <laughs> um, but like, I when there's not, you know four feet of snow on the ground. Um, I also like right. to go for long walks and I'll listen to my music and just kind of think about who the characters are. And so when I actually get to the point where I sit down in front of the computer, I have a pretty good sense of um, what their motivations are, who they are as an individual. Um, I've even gone so far as to, you know, construct entire dialogues in my head before I get in front of the uh, keyboard. Mm -hmm. So I think, I know where the character has been, and I think that kind of skews how they act. And however much I seem to plan and construct those conversations in my head, um, I know it's been said before, but I will say it again. I am merely a, a recorder for the events that play out. I let my characters go, and they just do the most un unbelievable things. So you are absolutely a gardener versus to an uh, as as opposed to an architect when it comes to writing. Yes, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. That would that cool. would be actually I'm I'm kind of a gardener in real life too. So that <laughs> wonderful. That, that's a very um, eloquent so, way to put it. 
So then when it comes to the trauma versus the, the a- thanks, I stole it from Tumblr. Uh, when it <laughs> comes to the, <laughs> actually, I just, I just really like that way of describing things. Um, when it comes to, to kind of putting thought into the trauma versus the aftermath, it sounds like for you, it's kind of all aftermath if you're really thinking about characters and how they'll react. It's really that process I, that they're going I would through. definitely have to agree. It's probably more the aftermath. However, having said that, um, okay, quick quick story. Um, do you remember, or I don't know if you watched Star Trek Discovery? I've seen a little bit of it, but like I haven't sat down. Really I'm a I'm it. a I'm a big Star Trek fan. I quite like Star Trek, and Star Trek okay. Discovery was the I think the pretty much the first the Star Trek enter um, franchise to have a same sex yeah. couple, and I was like, Yay, this is fantastic! Finally, and then of course they killed one of them, and the internet was on right. fire, and everybody was like, Oh, they went down that road! I can't believe they did that, and I was I was kind of like, Yeah, I know that's not great, but just give it a minute. Like let's let's see where this goes, and eventually they kind of wove the story back together and. It was interesting how they did it. And I was describing this whole scenario to my husband. And he is not part of this world in any way, shape, or form. He doesn't, that's not his shtick in life. He doesn't like sci-fi or fantasy. And uh, when I told him that the internet was on fire, they buried their gay, he just kind of looked at me and went, what? I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> this, it's... So it happens. People don't like it. You know, we want to see ourselves in positive, life-affirming relationships that are, you know, that we can have happy lives. And, and he looked at me and went, yeah, but who the hell wants to watch people wash dishes together? Like, the, 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 the story makes for good TV. You were on the edge of your seat. They had people talking. They had people arguing. That is good TV. And I went, oh, yeah, you know what? That's a good point. That's a really good point. I mean, eventually they brought the story back around, so it wasn't really the whole true barrier gay trope, and I was thrilled with that, but it did. It made for an edge of your seat, people were talking story. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but for my characters that are flawed and they've got trauma and they've dealt with crap in their past, to let them kind of go through the story I'm about to tell without any additional trauma doesn't seem to me like a good edge of your seat story. I want to throw things at them and see how they deal with it. That was a really long answer. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's that's fine. That's good. You're you're definitely fine. I was just I was thinking about like with the barrier gaze trope. I think we have something we'll come like back I, to. Yeah, I just <laughs> I I think often when people get upset, it's because the only gay rep gets killed. And to me, that's part of one of the characteristic things of the barrier gaze trope, because if, if, you know, if your book is 40 to 80% queer and someone dies, yes, it might hit harder if they happen to match some particular bit of your queer identity, but like, it's not quite as shattering for it to feel like you only get to exist in order to get exactly. removed. Yes. And, and I, um, one, I 100% yeah. agree with you. 100% agree. Yeah. So then, uh, speaking of uh, putting your characters through a lot of trauma, uh, have you ever started writing a trauma in one of your books and had it take over or have more of a story impact than you originally intended? Oh, 
So for the two books that I have out right now, they are the first in the beginning of their stories. And for both of them, I was very much a panster kind of writing. I didn't, I I knew where I wanted to kind of go with it, but I wasn't sure 100% what the characters would do with it. So I don't know if I can answer that question because I just kind of sit back and watch the movie in my head and just transcribe what I see happen. So the answer is had one that most of the time. <laughs> well, then have you ever had have you ever had a trauma where a character reacts differently than you would have anticipated? Than I would have anticipated. Yes. <laughs> and then I have to okay. and then I, and then you stop and go, "What the hell?" <laughs> <laughs> like, why did you do that? Why this? did you do that? <laughs> delete, delete. Uh, no, no. Um <laughs> <laughs> No, no. Wait a minute. This, this no, no. That's not what I wanted. Um <laughs> I think so. I think, mm, yes. Yeah, because I know Magic or Die, that, there was one particular trauma that just kind of went, oh, yeah, okay, no, I didn't expect that to happen. And there we go. It happened. Now what? Mm-hmm. What do we do? I can't say more and more than that because it would be spoilery. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's fine. Fair. We uh, will ask you more about that in the spoiler-free okay. zone. Yes. Uh, so kind of in a similar like taking the same concept in a slightly different direction. Um, Since you are someone who kind of gets to know your characters, it sounds like, and you don't decide for them necessarily. uh, Have you ever had a traumatic event in your books change your perception of them? Have you ever thought you knew who they were and then they did something or they reacted to something and you're like, Oh, Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hate you now. Have you ever had that happen? Uh... (laughs) have to be that but just like oh you're you know that's you're different now or you've grown or, or yeah, whatever. okay for sure yes 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 probably uh mm, watching how my characters come through their stories i get really attached to them they are like real people for me and so um like the the little sound check we did i i just did a quick little mm-hmm. reading from a um short story that's going to be released next year um and it is about a demon possessed sees the dead drag queen and i love her i have absolutely mm-hmm. fallen in love with her she's fantastic um and the more the story unfolded the more i appreciated the character to the point where I need more of her. And I mm-hmm. think that's, I think that could be said for most of my characters. I don't know if I've ever fallen out of love with any of them, even the okay. dastardly ones, the ones that are just <laughs> horrible. It's like, I love them for their, I love them for their, their nastiness. Mm-hmm. All right. Taking a break from directly talking about trauma for a bit. Uh, you have different kinds of characters so that things can happen to them. What is your approach to incorporating visible characters of color in your work? Oh, I, I wouldn't say I struggle with this, but being a straight, uh, no, let's try that again. Being a cis (laughs) white gay man. (laughs) Uh, I, you know, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, the straight white male perspective and in urban fantasy, it's, I think it's hard, if not impossible to find mainstream, and when I say mainstream, I I mean, you know, um, 
the top five publishing house series mm. where there's something different. And if they are different, then they are women. And, mm-hmm. But they're still straight and white. Um, and so I, 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 I mean, I, I want every single book I ever write will always have an LGBTQ character as the main character. Always. I will never stray from that. And I do have a book coming out in March of next year where the main character is uh, uh, East Indian, but first generation Canadian. And as much as his family culture is very representational, I think, of, um, of an individual growing up, in an immigrant's household with the pressures that we want you to do well and all the rest of it. I don't know if I can speak well for somebody who is a person of color because it's hard for me to slip into their shoes and totally... I mean, I can understand the experience, but I've never necessarily experienced it. So that's always something, you know, have I done this right? Um, Yeah. But... I also, because my books don't always feature things that are human, and they are themselves characters, um, I think I even go beyond the bounds of color and gender and race. And by the way, I hate that word. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Well, it makes sense based off of the books that we read because... You know, if your if your creature doesn't even start out as human, then there is no well. What would they have been if they were, or whatever? Exactly, and and so I'm writing from the character's perspective and how they're experiencing their world, and it's more about how they're interacting with the things that are going on with them. And maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily things about their uh, skin tone or their gender. It's mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's I think it's important to make sure that we've got uh, representation in all forms in our books, um, and that as authors we have some kind of responsibility to make sure that the world that you're talking about is diverse. Because I walk out my front door and my world is diverse. The people across the hall from me are of Indian descent. The people that are down the hall are from African descent. Um, I go to work and I'm surrounded by multiple different nationalities. And it would be a crime if I didn't try and reflect that in my stories. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> um. So, kind of on a a slightly different, but a similar uh, concept, just a a different demographic, what is your approach to incorporating characters with disabilities? And this can be either physical disabilities or, you know, visible neurological disabilities or or invisible ones like depression or anxiety or... Absolutely. Um, Again, I think it's it's the same. I... Uh, I have been chomping at the bit to find the right 
the right story to include somebody who is hard of hearing or deaf. Um, <clears throat> quick backstory. I had the opportunity to go to school in the States for a couple of years. And part of the program um, I was enrolled in, I had to take a secondary language. Growing up in Canada, we do that already. Like we, we have to take French from a very young age. And I was damned if I was going to take any more French. And, <laughs> and so I uh, perused my options and American Sign Language was offered and recognized as a language. And I went, oh, hot damn, I'm taking that. And so I have my uh, American Sign Language level one. I'm not fluent by any stretch of the imagination. I'm certainly no interpreter, but I can have a conversation with somebody, which to this day I think is really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've retained, you know, I would say a good chunk of it. And it's it's fun because uh, at one point when my husband and I were still going out to the bar, there was always a, you know, a small contingent of deaf guys that were there and we'd wave and have a quick little conversation. And it's just kind of cool. Like it's, again, it's just part of that whole uh, this is my community, right? This is, this is, this is us. And I need to reflect that in my story. So I'm just, I'm kind of waiting for good scenario where I can slip that character in. And I want them to be a, a fairly major character, not just somebody who appears for a chapter and is gone. Um, right. Makes sense. Yeah. So again, it's just part of the it's part of the landscape. I mean, I I have lots of friends that uh, struggle with uh, friends and family that struggle with depression and anxiety. And um, recently found out my my deceased father took Valium for years. I had no idea, right? Because he had he had anxiety. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. My stepmom, you know, laid this on me, and I'm like, I did not know that. I did not know that. How did I not know that? Um. So it's all around us. Uh, I think some people hide it really well. I think um, in other times it comes out through um, people's actions. Um, and it, yeah, we, need, we need to address that in our stories. Um, I would say that some of my characters that are in my books already are dealing with that on different levels. Okay. Is that one that we should come back to uh in our in our second half i th yeah or? you know what we could talk a little bit about that in magic or die okay okay sounds good yeah that makes sense as the book, as the book <laughs> we're gonna talk about it with um uh, robin do you have our uh our next question yes uh so do you tend to write characters with a specific orientation or do you generally speak stick to depictions of queerness, queerness which match parts of your identity or ones that don't? Oh. Oh, when I first started out, when I wrote Daemonian, it was definitely, uh, I need... Okay. I love Supernatural. I know 15 seasons of it, but I love it. <laughs> it is it is it is comfortable, it is warm and soothing, and the chaos and the darkness, I love it all. And I... For, for for context, since this isn't going to be out for a bit, Death Deal was confirmed like within the last two weeks. So, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's that's where we are right now. For anyone uh, catching this interview when it's available, I um, 
I needed to have my version of that kind of story. So, um, I, and I wanted to see myself in the lead. So, of course, the, when I had a reader who described Daemonian as the TV show Supernatural, but from the demon's perspective, if the demon was gay. And I went, yes, that is exactly what I wanted. Um, and so that was very much me kind of slipping on a different character. Like it, I, it, I wrote that from my, like sitting in my shoes. Uh, cause that's what I wanted. I wanted to, uh, you know, you know, the old adage, write the story you want to read. That was the story I wanted mm-hmm. to read. And I kind of, I see a lot of myself in daddy, the main character. But after that got picked up and published, the editor I was working with said, okay, we have an anthology coming out and I want you to write me something for it. And I'm like, uh, sure. What is this all about? So it was, here's the theme. And we want you to write a story based on that theme. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, the theme was women and mysticism. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I had to come up with a character that I was comfortable with that I thought I could do a decent job of. And so I ended up writing Attended Garden, which was a short story and included in, um, oh, the anthology name is escaping me. Oh. That's terrible. Oh my goodness, isn't that horrible? Okay, hang on. I will come back to that. I'll look for that while I'm talking about it. Um, so the story is about a, a lesbian witch, and her coven has this tradition that mm, the rest of the coven members maybe don't know about, and it's twisted and horrible, and um, she kind of fixes it. The book is called Into the Mystic Volume 1. And there was, I think, three or four of them. But I'm in the very first volume. And the short story is called Attended Garden. Anyways, so the, the main character is this lesbian witch. And I was like, okay, well, I certainly do not identify as any of this. How do I do this? <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, some chats with some friends and trying to do it justice. And I mean, got fairly good reviews. So I'm, I'm going to take that as a yay. We'll go from there. Um, and since then, I've, yeah, I mean, I'm, I think I'm always going to, a bit of me is going to always default to writing about gay or bisexual men because that attraction to other men is very much me. And that's what I'm comfortable with. But I think as a writer, mm-hmm. if I want to grow and learn and feel what it feels like to be in somebody else's shoes, it's um, it's kind of my duty to push myself a little bit. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And that's a, that's a difficult thing. So you've kind of talked about this, this feeling uh, kind of twice of like, like, how do I represent? I'm going, Robin, I'm going off script and it's already in question. We didn't write down. I could tell. Okay. <laughs> uh, you've, you've talked kind of twice about this feeling of like, well, if I don't experience that, if I don't understand that, how do I write it? What do I do? And uh, I just, so then my question is, if you have a character 
who's interested in women or or just not interested in men in general uh or if you have a character who is a person of color or if you have a character with a disability that you don't really understand or you don't really have experience with do you have an approach toward writing a toward writing something about them without it being about that piece of them do you have an approach for that yet or are you still kind of figuring that out I think in some ways I'm still figuring that out because every character you step into to write about has its own mm, has its own skin. Everybody's got a very very different experience and trying to trying to get that right is tough. And I try very much to empathize with the characters that I'm writing about. It's like, well, how would they feel in this moment? What's going on? I mean, I I guess a lot of it comes back to this is how I would feel. Wouldn't that be similar? Yes, no, maybe. I don't know. But um, so mm, that would be spoilery. I can't say that yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I do have I do have a character that I'm working on right now, but I've I've. I've had to dig in and do some research and say, well, what is, what is this experience like? What is, what is the journey here? How would somebody get to this point in life where I know the story starts? So I've done some interviews. I've done some reading. I have some more interviews to do. Um, thankfully, I'm, I'm blessed with having a, a wide network of folks that I can call upon to say i'm not trans what does that mean how did you discover mm-hmm. that what does that feel like i mean i know what it felt like growing up knowing i was different and then when i figured out oh that's because your sexual attraction is to other men that mm-hmm. contextualizes that for me right and i'm okay with that but what does it mean to wake up every day as a trans person and not feel right in your own body. What does that mean? How does that express itself as you walk throughout your day? So that's the kind of research that I want to do. And I'm, like I said, I'm very fortunate that I have a number of different people that I can call up and go, Hey, would you be willing to talk to me about your, your life, your experience, how, what this, what this looked like, your landscape, would you share that with me so that maybe I can get this right? And then after I do write something that is not from my perspective, not something I can relate to, I always give that out to people who have walked in those shoes and say, did I do this justice? Because if I haven't, please, dear God, tell me. Sensitivity readers are important. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. That and editors. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So we have... One more question in the spoiler-free half. So, uh, if you're a writer, we probably also read things. When you are reading books, are characters with trauma similar to any that you have experienced in your own life more relatable or more cathartic to read about? Absolutely. I... From a very young age, I've read and read and read and read. And I think lots of authors are very similar. Mm-hmm. But after yeah. coming to terms with my own sexuality, I continued to read. And I mean, when I was in growing up in my late teens, early 20s, 
which was, you know, like the late 80s and early 90s. Um, <clears throat> there, um, <laughs> it was Anne Rice. It was Stephen King. It was um, Stephen R. Donaldson and um, uh, Mercedes Lackey and all those fantasy horror stuff. Um, you know, I think Anne Rice was kind of maybe the first of the, uh, for me anyways, of the of the really good urban fantasy that I, I now crave and read all the time. But none of it was, I could not see myself in these books, or I was the side character, or it was some horrifying representation thereof. So when I started finding books that were like, oh my god, yes, this is, this is me, they were far and few between. And I think those stories... Um, became more important it's like okay this is this is awesome i can actually see myself doing this or being in this book um uh, or i understand this character better because of it but there was not still wasn't a whole lot out there in terms of the stories i wanted to read about people like me which is why i started writing well uh that feels like a fantastic place to wrap up uh the main bit of this half. So getting to our outro section, what is your favorite non-traumatic thing in any of your books? My favorite non-traumatic thing in any of my books. And it's okay if it's one that we didn't talk about. Yeah. But pref- I guess, yeah, preferably be one that's published, which I think then mm-hmm. loops it back around to having to be one of these two. Like my favorite character <laughs> or just my favorite thing? Just it, it favorite, can be a like, moment, it can be a character, it can be a plot line, it can be that one thing, that one sentence I wrote in there. Oh, it doesn't matter well, I d- it is. Just not a dramatic I do have thing. I do have a sentence, but it's not in, in a published book that'll be published in March. There's a sentence that... I, that's fine. Oh, okay. Um, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Um, I'm going to find it for you and read it to you, because it just makes me giggle. What What book... <sighs> So that we can. It is. It is back. called Summoned. It is being released uh, in March, and we're we're delayed enough on interviews that it's possible it'll be out by the time people have this interview. So, uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and it's it's at the very beginning of the book, and it's talking about the relationship of the main character to his best friend. Let me do a control F because <laughs> I know the, I know the words in it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the sentence is this, this was the nature of their relationship. Cam was eternally bitchy and David was perpetually spooky. It was weird, but it worked for them. Okay. <laughs> I love that sentence. It just makes me giggle every time. That's a, um, that's a very good, funny, that gives me like a good mental picture of a, a, like a couple like that's great that's yeah fun. and they're they're friends they're just friends <laughs> no i didn't mean romantic couple I oh yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah that's good um but other than that i i would say the inter my favorite thing is the interrelationships between characters sometimes when i'm transcribing their actions um they do the most ridiculous things and i'm like <laughs> oh didn't see that coming um 
and it's just that <laughs> it's just that play. I've had a I've had a few beta readers tell me, "I love your dialogue. Your dialogue is like I'm hanging out with my friends at the bar." And I'm like, "Oh, that's awesome because sometimes dialogue can be stiff and disjointed and we really try hard as authors to get it to be realistic." Um and that interplay of, you know, it's well, it's not grammatically correct, but that's not how I speak to my friends. You know? There's a lot mm-hmm, of right. there's a lot of bitch, please. Um <laughs> and, and having fun with that and, and just, yeah, I like the interplay of people. Do you have a favorite book written by someone else? And if so, what makes it your favorite? God, no. Um, <laughs> I have, I can't give you a favorite book. That's like saying what's your favorite album of all time. That's never going to happen. Um, <laughs> Don't worry. I fair. completely understand. Like I, I'm someone where like my favorite thing is often the most recent thing that I read that I liked. So what is the the most recent book that you've liked a lot that you read and what did you like about it? Oh, um, okay. I'm going to, I'm, I'm in get good reads right now. It's a good thing. I have two computers up and going at the same time and I'm going to go take a look. Cause I have a, a section here called my favorites and there's 37 books in there <laughs> and I won't go through every book, but, um, I can, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to break this down into, into categories and with their authors. Um, okay. I do not read historical fantasy, but Glenn Quigley has a series. Um, and the very first book is called the moth in the moon. And it is an alternate historical fantasy where, you know, same sex relationships are, are, are normal and fine. And then no one bats an eye, but it's all about, uh, a seafaring village and the main character's life, and they are brilliant and wonderful. I love them. If you like historical fantasy, that is a book you've got to go check out. Um, MD New. I'm not a hard sci-fi person, even though I said I love Star Trek. I don't typically read a lot of sci-fi. I don't. I, I mean, I like like some of them. Um, but his. Um, his uh, A New World series is wonderful. It's wonderful. And I can't wait to see where it goes because the last book is coming out soon. Um, Rick Reed, for me, is a, one of my go-to authors. I find his books, and he writes both romance and horror. Not in the same book, um, but it doesn't matter because he gets into the heads of his characters and you understand you're able to swim in it and you just become immersed in the character's brain. And it's wonderful to see their uh, perceptions on life. And when you're talking about horror, Ooh, I've read a couple of his where it's just like, I don't think I ever wanted to be that deep into a serial killer's head. Um, <laughs> you're like wow um yeah it was it was something else so i'm finding rick reed and rick r reed yes. is this with or without same the, same person with with or same without person. the initial oh same okay person. um nice. nice okay uh if you want a really good laugh rob rosen i have read a couple of his books and they're just they're just a giggle from the get-go um e.m hamill again uh sci-fi fantasy um dolly is i absolutely fell in love with that book and 
the main character can switch genders, and it's wonderful. It is fantastic. I loved it. Um, do you want me to go on? Because I can. <laughs> well, our next question is if you have queer authors or works authors of color whose work you'd like to shout oh. out. So if you want to continue this there. Uh. So, you know, I am terrible. I, I, I mean, I have... There are some authors on my list that I've read who I know are trans. Um, I know who are bisexual. Who I mean, it's one of those. Oh, my brothers and sisters under the LGBTQIA2S, all those letters, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I might know them for that, and and allies as well. I honestly don't necessarily know if any of these would identify as person of color. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't think. Well, and you've listed a couple of people we know are queer authors, yes. like MD New. Yeah. So we've kind of a little bit got that one of those categories covered already. I'm gonna have. You know what? I'm gonna pass on that because I don't know if I actually can <laughs> can honestly say. Oh, okay. I have read only a little bit. Um, uh, S. A. Collins. And I, his one of his books, I am actually anticipating reading, um, and and I need to get to it because it just looks wonderful. Um, is it Mohawks bearing gifts? Beware of Mohawks bearing gifts. Oh, yes! that yeah, that's that is also on uh, my list of things to yes. read. Yes, yes, yes. Um, not only is the cover drop dead gorgeous, but I I have actually talked to. Um, Baz, as I call him, um, a couple of times, and he's um, he's just he's just a character. He's absolutely wonderful. I love him to pieces. So I can't wait to dig into his writing. And he he is uh, uh, oh Baz, forgive me if I get this wrong. Um, uh, Latino and indigenous, and he has some very very interesting perspectives, and I love him. I can't wait to read that book. So then, where can our audience find you? We're going to have, like, the long list of your pluggables in the show notes. So, like, what's, like, the... Best place? The, yeah, Top best place to find best you. Best place. Well, I can tell you, I mean, I'm an ever... I yeah, no, I gave you all the lists, and I don't even think I gave you... There's a couple <laughs> I probably missed, but I'm everywhere, and it's terrible. I, um... Uh, <laughs> I'm... Yeah. I need to get off the computer more, um... <laughs> I would say probably the best place to find me is either my Facebook page, Twitter, or Instagram. Oddly enough, the content on all three are going to be a little different. I definitely feature more of dark humor on Instagram. I love my I love my dark memes when I find them. I'll give you a, a give a, just a a quick example. I giggled when I found this on Tumblr, and I when I shared it, I thought, "Oh, this is too much." And it was probably one of my most liked pictures on Instagram. Um, somebody had flipped down a change table and had drawn a huge pentacle and went, "Place sacrifice here, hail Satan." <laughs> <laughs> so, if you like that kind of dark humor, come follow me on Instagram because you'll you'll get more of the same. Wonderful. <laughs> And that uh, Twitter handle is CanuckBear88, C-A-N-U-C-K-B-E-A-R-8-8. Right, Canuck. Because, you know, that's how Canadians refer to ourselves. We're just a bunch of Canucks. <laughs> I had heard yes. that. <laughs> and I'm, the, I'm, I'm definitely the bear in the household. So 
<laughs> uh, yeah. And my nieces and nephews call me Auntie Bear. Mm-hmm. Fun. So thank you so much for joining us. Again, those books are Magic or Die and oh my goodness, the pronunciation dropped out of my head. Uh Daemonian and <laughs> That's uh, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Daemonian. Daemonian. Just completely not that. Not Daemonian. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, not Daemonian. <laughs> but if you're trying to spell it, that'll help you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you can find us anywhere that you get our podcast. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Books That Burn. We technically have a TikTok. I've done nothing with it. Um, <laughs> and we used to use a link tree. We're now on card. So that is, um, books that burn dot, uh, C <laughs> books that burn dot C A R R D dot C O. If you have the link tree link and you go there, it redirects you to go to our card. So, and that's it again. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.